Welcome to Stay Engaged 2022. Everything you know and love about IAB Engage, but brought to you week by week. It's Engage, but offstage. Stay Engaged is hosted in partnership with Triple Lift, the essential marketplace that offers advertising solutions for every channel and every objective. The only major supply-side exchange designed to make advertising better for everyone, advertisers, publishers, and consumers. At a time when we are all searching for meaning and connection, Leela Sheridan, head of brand and agency at Critio, draws on her experience working in refugee camps across Europe to share how we can learn by stepping away from our own lives and extending kindness to our fellow humans. Join Leela to discover the five key principles of creating unifying connections, both in and out of the workplace. You may remember the image. It's hard to forget. Yellow grey sand, glass-like shoreline, bright red t-shirt, navy blue shorts, lifeless body, a tiny boy lying on his front, head turned to one side. His name is Alan Kurdi. He was just two years old when in 2015 he, his brother and his mother all died trying to cross the Aegean Sea. Alan's father was the only survivor. They were attempting to escape the horrors of war in their homeland of Syria. And this shocking image, so harrowing to look at, was beamed around the globe and has become hyper-powerful in all that it represents. This image tore through me and left me questioning why about so many things. Why were refugees not being helped to safety? Why was the UK not welcoming these people in need? And why wasn't someone doing something? My own daughter was also two at the time and I was totally affected by Aylan's death. And I was consumed with anger at the unfairness of it all. I began reading everything on the refugee situation, trying to make sense of it. And the more I read, the more frustrated and angry I became. And that same question, why doesn't somebody do something, was going round and round and round in my head. And then I realised, I am somebody, I can do something. So I decided to do just that, something. I flew to a Greek island to pitch in and help out. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew why I was doing it. Refugees are humans. I am a human. It is, always has been and always will be in our nature for humans to help one another. And I was going to honour that fact of nature. I'm Leela, Sales Director at Critio UK in the Retail Media Division. My experiences volunteering with refugees from all around the world over the last seven years have totally shaped who I am now, how I work with my team, what I do with my time, my money and my political voice and my hopes for the world in which I want to exist. And most relevantly, I've learned a tonne about what it is to be human. Some of us are fortunate enough to experience a privileged existence on planet Earth. However, let's face it, that doesn't mean it's easy. Because we also experience a complex existence. Time is always running out. Overwhelm is usually but an email away. We spend our minutes, hours, days looking at and talking to screens. We feel disconnected from one another as we connect to yet another social platform on yet another device. And as we go about our daily lives and interactions, we have apps to tell us how our day will go and algorithms to dictate what we will like. Our eyes are looking down and our ears are often tuned out. 
Somewhere along the way, maybe we forgot what it means to be human. We've minimised the base-level importance of some straight-up principles that should really matter to us, whether we know them and consciously subscribe to them or not. Through my volunteering experiences, I've been fortunate enough to relearn some human home truths, and I want to share them with you today. By stepping away from my own life and extending help to fellow humans, I've discovered how to be a happier me. I know I'm now better than my previous self. And I have five really simple principles to summarise what I've learned. One, smiles are a language everyone speaks. One of my first volunteering experiences was working at the now infamous Camp Moria on Lesvos Island. It was hastily built to hold 3,000 but housed 20,000. Volunteers weren't allowed inside, but there was such an overflow of people sleeping rough in the olive grove that surrounded it that the volunteers had plenty to do to keep busy. These people, refugees and migrants from all over the world, but majority at that time from Syria, had assumed that they could escape persecution, war and a multitude of other daily horrors and that Europe would support them. But instead they were treated like cattle, like criminals, like a persistent stain on society that should be ignored. One of the functions I performed here was to hand out toiletries and bananas. I would walk about the olive grove finding people and offering both to each person I came across. Every minute of every hour I was there, I would cross paths with complete strangers, all of them living in dire conditions and none of them certain of their fate. They didn't know me and they didn't know my motives for being there and we often didn't speak the same language, so perhaps they did not trust me. Understandably, they may have been fearful. I realised I needed to maximise that moment to placate the people I was meeting and give them a quick chance to make a decision on how to respond to me. So I smiled. Sounds simple, right? Because it was. It is. Smiles really are a language that everyone speaks. Unlike verbal or body language, smiling doesn't differ from culture to culture. Smiles are global. If delivered with truth, a smile is unmistakable. It can't be misinterpreted and it can be a pure leveller. When we smile, we move muscles and reset our facial position. This smallest of alterations is enough to reroute our brains. Whatever emotions we might be feeling, as soon as we smile, it interrupts them, changes them. Our emotions are rerouted and refocused. Smiles comfort us and bring us back to the present moment. And for the recipient, guess what happens when we smile? It makes those we're smiling at smile also. Like laughter, smiles can be contagious. It allows for a brief pause and interrupts any thoughts that may be whirring through the other person's head. A smile allows for immediate connection and most importantly, it reassures that this moment is safe and threat-free. Smiles allow us to connect quickly with anyone, regardless of our background, the language we speak or the circumstances we find ourselves in. When I think about my volunteering experiences and about the people I've met and assisted, I can really see how smiling as strangers has been the bedrock of my efforts and enabled me to work quickly and safely. I cannot impress upon you enough how important it is to smile. Just smile at people. You don't know what they are living through. You don't know how much that smile might help, how far that smile may carry them. Which leads me to the next principle. Two, context is key. Be kind. Everyone is fighting a battle you know nothing about. I've heard many stories from refugees about the treacherous journey they make and I've seen the life they then have to lead once they arrive. So I feel I've got a pretty good understanding of how it all goes. 
Refugees cross hundreds of miles, often on foot, which can take months. They then pay a smuggler thousands of euros for their passage to Europe. They have to hide in the forests near the coastline for days, sometimes weeks, before they're put on boats or in dinghies, often at up to 400% over capacity. And they're also sold life jackets, which can be fake and ironically made by other refugees in illegal sweatshops. If any of the refugees complain or refuse to board, they're threatened with guns. And then they set sail. The Aegean Sea can take as little as 30 minutes to cross if conditions are good. For the refugee boats, it can often take hours. Many of the people aboard can't swim well, and sometimes the children are drugged with sleeping tablets so they don't cry or make a fuss. If they manage to get to Greece, they're housed in refugee camps and given about 40 euros a month to live off. They're not allowed to work. Schooling is usually only offered by charities or NGOs. Sanitation is poor. People live in porter cabins and tents where there is mass overcrowding. And inside each one, a family or group resides. Grandparents, parents, teenagers, children, babies, newborns. People sleep, cook, eat, wash, socialise, do all their living all in these confined spaces. And now they wait for their case to be heard by the authorities, to be given the right to move freely around Greece or to be rejected and sent back to danger. If they are granted permission to stay, then they wait some more to hopefully move to a country that's part of the Schengen Treaty. This is what they get in the assumed safety of Europe. This is their brave new life in a brave new world, where the daily threat of being bombed or tortured has passed, but another threat of a long, slow erosion of spirit now faces them. Can you even imagine? As well as the physical and social situation, they have the weight and the emotional burden of all their collective experiences that they carry about like a backpack full of rocks. The life they escaped, the journey they made, haunting memories of crossing the sea, plus all the other traumas that all humans carry around. Misplacement, misrepresentation, loneliness, fear of the future and regret about the past. I learned quickly through my experiences as a volunteer that you just don't know what someone has been through. We can never, ever assume. And we can't wear that backpack for them or remove some of the rocks from inside. We can't magic all of that trauma away for them. But what we can do is be kind. Give people time, patience and the benefit of an open mind. Hold a safe space for them whilst they feel what they need to feel and do what they need to do to get through that emotion or that moment or that day. After seven years of volunteering, I still can't quite compute how hard life is for a refugee. But actually, context is key. Life can be hard for all of us humans at times, especially after the last two years of living through a global pandemic. It's become more challenging and in some ways very different to all that we knew and previously perhaps coasted through. So every day, every person we meet, every interaction we have, we need to remember to be kind because everyone is fighting a battle that we know nothing about. And that includes being kind to ourselves. Three, ask not what can I get, but what can I give? In Camp Oricastro in mainland Greece many years ago, I met an incredible woman who was on her own with her five children. We didn't speak the same language, but we still communicated with smiles and hand gestures. Her kids were so lovely. They'd been out of the schooling system for close to a year by this point, and I could see the worry etched onto their mum's face. I could feel the vibrations of stress emulating from her being. 
The six of them lived in a small tent and had very few possessions, but one thing she did have was a small one-ring stove with an old camping kettle. And she invited me into her tent for tea. I was bowled over by this. She had almost nothing, yet she still gave to me. She still wanted to share with me whatever she had without agenda or expectation. And this is one of a hundred examples I could give, an instinct to give rather than take. And I'm always humbled by this generosity and reminded to adopt this approach. I'd go so far as to say it's the biggest lesson I've learned through volunteering. Life is not about what we get, but what we give. The moment I opened myself up to giving my time, my energy and my resources to others was the exact same moment my life began to truly flourish. I think it's to do with energy and purpose. We all know that saying, what we think about, we bring about. Well, I've seen this show up in my own life over and over again. When I'm giving positive vibes, I get positive vibes right back. When I'm doing good, I get good. And we set the rules for the way we are treated. How we treat others is how we are asking to be treated ourselves. In the workplace, I work in sales, and traditionally this space is seen as competitive, elbows out, territorial, with an unspoken expectation that sales managers might beg, borrow or steal business from one another. The team I now work with, our approach is entirely different. We take care of each other and we help and support one another through the ups and downs of the business. We have one eye on our own patch, sure, we are in sales after all, but we also give when the situation requires it. Because we know that when one of us wins, we all win. I learned firsthand that the best way to help yourself is to help others. The moment we stop focusing on ourselves and what and where and how we can gain and instead focus on who, where and how we can help is ironically the moment we actually start to grow. Four, vulnerability is your hidden superpower. Author and research professor Brené Brown, oh, I love her, she writes that vulnerability is the emotion that we experience during times of uncertainty, risk and emotional exposure. Now this sums up the experience of a refugee perfectly. They live under a dark shadow of constant, utter uncertainty. They risk everything, their lives, the lives of their families to get to safety. And they are perpetually emotionally exposed throughout it all. Many times, sometimes multiple times an hour when I've been volunteering, I've seen people's vulnerability up close. Their pain, their fear, their worry, their embarrassment. Having nothing, being stuck, feeling like no one, feeling like they're not wanted. Wishing for the past, wanting to belong, hoping for a better life for their families and themselves, but entrenched in despondence as every day repeats the day before and nothing changes and their rights, their humanity is stripped away. And it can be really hard to witness this utter vulnerability so up close. It can be hard to navigate. And of course, I've also had my own moments of extreme vulnerability during my volunteering. In our society, we've been taught that showing our whole selves is wrong and that vulnerability is a weakness. We've learned to hide these parts because we fear that exposing them will ultimately lead to our demise. But thinking about those times when we are vulnerable, uncertainty, risk, emotional exposure and the times when I myself have felt vulnerable, it's when I'm on the precipice of doing something or feeling something bigger and more impactful. These things require great courage and strength. And this holds true both when I witness someone's vulnerability and when I myself have shown my vulnerability. We see the full gamut of emotions. We see the essence of humanity and we let each other in. It's the moment when we connect to one another. 
Embracing our vulnerability enables us to be real, to be true and honest and open. And by being open, it allows others to trust us and gives them permission to also be vulnerable, courageous and brave. It really is a superpower. Five, change really does start with you. Through everything I've experienced, everything I've witnessed, the people I've met and the friendships I've made, I am now a vocal supporter for the rights of refugees. In fact, it's the main reason why I wanted to participate in this, so that I could raise awareness. I petition, I rally, I write to MPs, I march, support and fundraise both for individuals who I know who are still living in dire situations and on behalf of charities and organisations that work hard to improve the lives of refugees such as Safe Passage, Refugee Biryani and Bananas and Help Refugees. Back when I first had my seemingly crazy idea to go help people I'd never met from a country I'd never been to in a place I didn't know, it was driven by the simple realisation that I am somebody. I can do something. It started from one single thought, one tiny idea. And it's grown into something much bigger. I now have family members, including my husband, and friends who volunteer both with me and independently, and many more contacts and associates who donate to my fundraising drives and help raise awareness. The company I work for has been a massive supporter and also donated funds. Awareness leads to change, and that change won't necessarily just be the thing you are rooting or fighting for. The change will be within you too. So I implore you to look at yourself in the same way. You are somebody. You can do something. Change really does start with us. Excuse the loftiness here, but in the words of Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. I feel so grateful to have been able to volunteer so many times and I know I will continue to do this for the rest of my life. When I'm volunteering, I don't think about the past or worry about the future. I don't second-guess myself or others. I live on my instincts. I'm truly in the moment and I feel connected to the air around me and the earth beneath my feet. Volunteering is the most humbling and enlivening experience anyone can wish for. It's made me a better parent, a better boss, a better human. A quote that I now live by is, You can't help everyone, but everyone can help someone. And I would add to that, and by helping someone, we ultimately help ourselves. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session. And thanks to our partners at Triple Lift. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In next week's Stay Engaged offstage session, NBC Universal's Hayley Cochran will set out why the industry needs a unified response to digital identity and why it's time to lead on measurement. That's next on Stay Engaged. Stay Engaged.